a gateway to the underworld opens up in the backyard of 1980s suburbia, and the only ones to fend it off are a group of young kids who have no emotional connection to each other. We watched the 1987 horror movie The Gate on this episode of Bottom of the Barrel. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Bottom of the Barrel. I am your host, as always, Jeff Bell, and this is the continuing of Hollow Stream Month here on Bottom of the Barrel, where we watch a bunch of terrible, terrible 1980s horror movies, I guess if you want to call them horror, because they're really not that scary, uh, as part of our Halloween month. This week's episode is special. Uh, this one actually was one of those that we kept coming across on Netflix, but uh, just didn't didn't actually watch. I eventually added it to the queue because it did sound terrible, and it turns out that, uh, <laughs> that uh, some of us have actually seen this movie before as a children and just completely forgot that that was this movie. And when you listen to the review and when you hopefully watch the movie, you'll probably realize why people forgot about this one, just because it's so so bad i'm going to give you a warning right now the review of the movie you're gonna think i'm missing parts it's confusing i tried i'm gonna try to make this be as easy to follow as possible but the movie itself isn't easy to follow so (laughs) it's entertaining don't get me wrong but it's really hard to give an overview of this movie when the movie itself is hard to just, you know, comprehend in spots. So so bear with me and listen. This movie is terrific and hopefully you'll enjoy it. So let's get on with the review. First off, the opening credits of the movie are just amazing. Who needs complicated opening title sequences when you can have red text over black backgrounds? Ah, oh, the 80s. Back in simpler times. So when the movie finally does open, it's the weirdest opening of a film ever. A kid who tours an empty house looking for someone named Al finds himself in the backyard of the house climbing a tree that is obviously not on a set when suddenly, holy crap, lightning hits the tree and it collapses. But don't worry, the kid awakens from this obvious dream to find the actual tree is being cut down in his backyard for no apparent reason. Great. Now there's absolutely no trees in this neighborhood. He goes outside to watch the tree be torn down, where he finds weird sparkly stones from the ground beneath the tree. While the kid and his friend are randomly digging around the base of the fallen tree later, apparently attempting to fill in the hole, but frankly doing a terrible job at it, the leather-clad friend digs so deep, he finds a random sphere of... something... But that's not important, because the boy gets distracted by his older sister throwing away all of his toys in the garbage, who then rushes off to have 80s fun with her friends. But that's not important, because the boy's dad notices the oddly moving ground hole that the kids made, and questions whether they need a babysitter. While eating from the pot roast complete with garnishes, because, let's face it, everyone makes dinner complete with garnishes, the father says the boy is grounded while they're gone. Just. Because. Later that night, the boy has problems getting to sleep because one of his friends said something was boarded up inside the walls of his house. I'm sure this has nothing to do with the future plot of the film. The kid finally does get to sleep, and immediately is startled by something outside of his room that proves to be... nothing. And we fade to black. 
Jump to the next day as the parents leave, leaving the older sister in charge of the younger brother as the parents says, no parties. You already know what's coming next, as we cut to a party hosted by the older sister. You know, it's that cliche type where hundreds of people show up even though the owner doesn't know any of them. The 80s. Just gotta love them. Meanwhile, upstairs, the younger brother and his leather-bound friend are trying to crack open the random sphere of something they found beneath the falling tree, when suddenly, they crack it open, and it glows purple. And it writes some gibberish on a peel-and-stick toy. Okay, apparently the egg is some kind of eight-year-old kid ghost. Cut to the amazing party that has resulted in a group of teens sitting around telling ghost stories, because this is totally what kids do at the end of parties, when one kid starts talking about clearing their minds for levitation. They see the younger brother and attempt to levitate him as a joke when he actually levitates into a track light. And of course, no one finds that weird. Seriously. So as the kids are trying to sleep, the friend of the younger brother, who is coming back from the bathroom, has a hallucination of his mother walking in the front door of the house, saying she's missing him, only to find she's a dead dog. No, seriously. He realizes it, and... The movie kind of plays that as an okay moment. So the next day, as the younger brother is looking at the filled dog food bowl, wondering if he should have fed the missing dead dog or not, his friend is listening to Heavy Metal, who of course, reciting the music he knows, realizes that the random album of music coincides with the random writing of the peel and stick from earlier. Obviously. Going back to the younger brother and his older sister, her friends arrived at the house and don't believe that the amazing levitation they saw the previous night was real. Because obviously there was wires or something that they saw that the viewing audience didn't. And they ultimately leave the brother alone and on his own. So as the brother looks through a photo album of him and their dog, he opens a birthday present of a rocket, which I'm sure is not going to come into play later on in the film. And here's the bug zapper outside freaking out during the daytime. So he goes to investigate, only to find that the whole of the backyard is now mysteriously smoking. Ooh, smoke. So the leather-clad friend of the brother nonchalantly mentions that they have demons, because, you know, it's common knowledge, and then they decide to cover up the hole with a giant plank of wood instead of filling it up, because that would be more practical. The friend tells the younger brother that the band he listened to references the Book of the Dead, and that after they recorded their album, they all died mysteriously in a plane crash. Obviously, this means that they knew what they were talking about. The friend comments that after a sacrifice, which is in no way the dog that randomly died, the demons would rise. Conveniently, the older sister's friend, whose job it was to get rid of the dead dog's body, ended up ditching it in the hole in the backyard. Because they won't find it there. So after the older sister buys the brother a rocket to shoot off into the sky, for some reason, we cut to 12 hours later where the sister's friends show up to create a distraction long enough for the younger brother to find the bottle rocket he thought was long thrown away. After a completely pointless 10 second scene of the younger brother, we cut to later that night where the brother is reading his friend's book that happens to cover the devil and some other stuff. Cut to a claymation shadow on the wall downstairs that causes the brother's window shade to open. No one else wakes up. The brother investigates only to find the moths managed to break open his window. When the kids investigate the body of a friend, they realize that it's not the friend but the body of the dog that somehow got up there. So not even the demons from hell wanted the dog's body. So after a moment where the kids' parents mysteriously show up in the front door only to have them turn out to be some kind of monstrous, weird thing that disintegrates. So of course, their next course of action is to split up and investigate instead of calling the cops. Just like any good 80s, 90s horror movie people would. While doing so, the older sister is attacked by claymation creatures that go away after she gets back into the house. 
So after a phone call from the demon that bursts the phone into flames, they go to the basement to investigate, only to find that the record of the band bursts into flames. Apparently everything is combustible in this house. So of course this results in the group deciding to read from the Bible. Because that'll make things better? Jump cut to outside where everyone is walking towards the hole in the backyard, where the friend of the brother comments that the demons need two human sacrifices to stay permanently on Earth. And of course, the two friends of the older sister decide to rush back into the house to stay safe. I'm sure they'll be fine. So after a quick sermon at the howling hole in the backyard, the magical smoke emitting from it sucks back into the ground, only to have the friend of the brother sucked in and attacked by stop-motion monsters. After a quick reading of a passage from the Bible that only ticks the monsters off more, they manage to pull the friend out of the hole with no real consequence. So the friend escapes, tries to find another passage, but eventually throws the Bible into the hole, resulting in a giant explosion that fills in the magical portal to hell. The kids celebrate and rush back inside, only to find the girl's friends were waiting for them, wanting to have a good time. <laughs> Never mind the demons that were attempting to attack a few minutes ago. So after everything seems okay, the kids go downstairs to watch TV, only to have a dead body fall out of the wall. It's like they planned that, and attack their friend or the brother. At this point in the movie, I'm starting to wonder about the true sincerity of these people when it comes to their friends. Apparently they could care less as they stand by and watch them get sucked up and taken away by demons. So as a brother rushes upstairs to find bloody Native American markings plastered on the wall, he runs into the room just as a zombie in the mirror makes himself real, only to fall to the ground in the form of numerous tiny demons. I am seriously not making that up. So as the younger brother rushes to the closet to look for his dad's gun, he finds a weird biting version of his friend's head that bites him on the thumb, to which his sister fends him off with the legs of a Barbie. Um, okay. So now locked in the closet, the attacking demons suddenly vanish. They pause for a moment, only to be then attacked by the zombie who appears in the closet. The zombie throws the brother away and attacks the sister, causing her to be the second human sacrifice. Hmm. I guess that extra exposition was necessary to the plot, after all. So now the boy is all alone, the floorboards to the house start caving in, and he decides his only form of attack against the demons starting to get into the house is to get the rock he has in his closet? The small zombies combine into a bigger claymation zombie, only to touch the boy on the head and create an eyeball on his hand. Wait, what? So the giant claymation zombie disappears. The boy walks back into his bedroom, only to find a giant funnel of demons being let out into the world. He falls to the ground and finds the jar of moths still in the jar that... Makes him want to scream at the demon tornado to come back and claim another sacrifice. So after that, he gets the good idea to stab the eye on his hand with a shard of glass, only to find everything in his house starting to suck into the demon tornado except his rocket. Making his way to the hole in the living room that leads to the demon world, he looks up at the rocket and, after the claymation demon shows back up, shoots the rocket into him and, well, I'm honestly not sure what happens besides terrible special effects and off-screen plot points. The demons create a spectacular fireworks display as the boy is shot out of the house via bad special effects. The boy walks back into the house only to find his dog, sister, and best friend are alive and walk out of the closet. So wait, the demons let them live after their sacrifice? Seriously? The movie ends with all of them sitting on the front porch happily as we pan up to the happy clouds and cut to black. The moral of the story? Fill in the hole when your father tells you or you will bring about the apocalypse. The end. What did I just watch? Seriously, this movie is so just all over the place. It's so hard to keep track of what is actually happening. What is a dream? What is just in the imagination of these kids? I, it's, oh my goodness. 
It's a great movie. Don't get me wrong. It is a it is a very, very enjoyable movie. It just has 80s written all over it. Uh, I have a feeling that the writer saw the movie Poltergeist and went, I could do that better. And this is what he came up with, which don't get me wrong. The concept is it's it's not original. But it, it, it's okay. You know, it's, you definitely, if you want to see a movie about ghosts that show up in a house, watch Poltergeist. That movie is done so much better. Because even though it can be cheesy in spots, it is legitimately a decent movie. This movie is just weird. Because <laughs> they're trying to get you on the whole jump. They're trying to get you on some jump scares. There's nothing really ridiculously gory of the movie but they're trying to just get you to be like oh oh my god oh no what's going like it's just they try to get you to be uncertain of what's going to happen next and it kind of works for the movie and at the same time kind of does not the movie isn't made by anybody ridiculously large you're not going to get anybody who you you know immediately know of in the film um one of the kids was steven dorf it was steven dorf's uh first major movie uh steven dorf people might actually know him from uh, blade and he was in public enemies and immortals and i mean he's been in a lot of uh, larger movies nowadays not necessarily as big main characters but he is somebody that you might have uh come across or might know from uh from other films nowadays definitely a lot of more horror movie-ish type things but um <laughs> oh, and he was also Britney Spears' boyfriend in the music video every time. I do not know that off the top of my head. Please keep in mind, I'm currently on IMDb as I'm recording this, so <laughs> don't think I just know that. Really, I just don't know that. Please please don't judge me. Anyways, <laughs> but <laughs> the movie itself uh, was interesting. Yeah, there's nobody that you really know from it. The writing of it uh, was okay. The director, I've never even heard of. This one actually was filmed in America, which is just ridiculous because it seems like so many of these terrible movies were filmed overseas. But there is a sequel that was made. Apparently, a sequel to this movie was made the following year, but it sat uh, it was sat on the shelves for almost two years before they finally released it in 1990. So, and that apparently takes place uh, five years later, and it follows the brother's uh, fr- uh, leather-bound friend. Uh, apparently, he opens up a portal. It's still just as bad, basically, as the first one. But it is a good, uh, cheesy horror movie. It is rated PG-13. Like I said, there's no uh, nudity, no real swearing in it. I believe it's PG-13 strictly just because of the uh, content, like the jump scare, you know, and some of the plots. But besides that, it was an okay movie. It's definitely fun to watch and laughable. And you will definitely enjoy yourselves watching this movie. Again, the movie The Gate from 1987. Look it up. It is on Netflix right now as we speak. Definitely a great horror movie to watch for Halloween and have a good time. So with that, that is the end of this week's episode. Join us again next week for one more episode that'll wrap up the Halloween month. Oh, and don't forget the special bonus episode that's coming out on Halloween. You will enjoy that episode. Believe me, we had fun recording it. You're going to have fun listening to it because it's just the movie is spectacular. Again, I'm not going to give up what the movie is. You'll just have to wait and see. So keep an ear out for that. But that is all for today's episode of Bottom of the Barrel. I'm your host, Jeff Bell, and I will join you next time. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I really need a way to end these. Seriously, got to come up with something. It's really just stupid when I sit here and ooh and ah. It's not even scary. I don't even know why I do it.
For more information about this and other programming, visit our official website at www.ghostat.net.